What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? Happy Super Week to you, Chazzer. Happy Super Week to you, too, Chris. And we got another great show for you guys this week. Is Frank Vogel justified in benching Russell Westbrook? And what does the trade deadline look for the Lakers coming up this week? And we got your NBA news and notes from Karis LeVert getting traded to the all-star replacements with LaMelo Ball and DeJounte Murray getting the nod. And could James Harden possibly be going to Philly with Daryl Morey? We'll be talking about that. But we got to start off first with the Lakers finally coming up with a comeback win. I've said it over and over. They finally get behind and fight their way back against the New York Knicks on Saturday night at home. And they actually should have won the game in regulation, but the game goes to overtime due to blowing a seven-point lead in the final minute. But the Lakers close it out in a 122-115 effort at home against the Knicks. LeBron played great in his first game back. He actually was a game-time decision, was questionable before the game, then became a game-time decision, got actually onto the court, felt good from his knee soreness and was able to muster through the game and put up a measly 29 points, 13 rebounds, two blocks, as well as eight assists. I mean, LeBron James can do it all when given the rest. And AD is averaging 29 points, 13 rebounds in his last five games. AD is back, y'all. Mm-hmm. We've already said it for the last couple of weeks since he's been back against the Philadelphia 76ers. And he had that great game against Joel Embiid, albeit with the Lakers still losing. But AD and LeBron, if they can keep this up, they might be able to put on a run and get themselves out of the plan. That's what I'm hoping for. What do you think, Chris? Yeah. Uh, first of all, super duper week um, <clears throat> with the Rams and the Super Bowl and all of that. Hopefully the next time we record, they will be Super Bowl champions. So, uh, but yeah, going back to the Lakers, it's been, uh, it was kind of a very strange week. Uh, LeBron, we thought all-star break. You know, let get, give him the time, let him rest that knee. Uh, let, let's see how he how he responds when he gets back, and let's see if what AD could do as the number one. LeBron only misses five games. The Lakers go one and four in those five games. And Chaz, look, was it a great win? It was a good win, right? Any win at this point, you're going to take when you are a team that is fighting to move up in the playing situation. You're still below five hundred. You take any win. So from that aspect, I'm not going to uh, say, well, this, this, and this. Listen, they got stomped on in the first quarter. They gave up 42 points in the first quarter to a Knicks team that's 12th in the Eastern Conference. They have had a a really bad season. Julius Randle is not happy. Uh, R.J. Barrett has really started to come on, but there really has just been a, 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 a very inconsistent team there with the New York Knicks. However, they did beat the Lakers earlier. This season, so you, you did get that revenge aspect. How, but once again, overtime. Why did you need overtime if you're up eight with a buck 45 left? Why do you continue to miss free throws at the end of games? Why are you unable to get critical stops in key situations? Where is the awareness? You mentioned it. AD looked great. 28 points, 17 rebounds, four blocks. He is back, right? 
He's healthy. He's looking strong. He looks he's great, man. He's down in the trenches. He's Bubble banging. AD, baby. Exactly. He's banging with Randall. And I mean, that is a physical front line. Randall, Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel. You know, yeah. say what you want about the Knicks struggling this year. That's still a team that is going to be tough and physical every single night. So, AD, I salute you. Finally, going back to the guy that we saw two years ago, because even though he's had really good performances on paper throughout the season, they haven't led to wins. And there have been some of those nights where it's like AD at 25 and nine, like I didn't even, it didn't feel like he was out there, but in this game, in the, in these couple of weeks, since he's returned, he's looked fantastic. So shout out to him. And I hope it continues. LeBron. Amazing. I mean, if you notice, Shaz, he was a little rusty early on. I think he was trying to test out the knee. He had to, he had to get settled a little yeah. bit. But once he did, it was like no time had passed. It's like he played two days ago. So, uh, you know, shout out to LeBron James looking good. Um, you know, Malik Monk has been tremendous, especially now with Carmelo Anthony on the shelf with the with the bad hamstring. Uh, they, they're going to need that scoring to come from somewhere. And Malik Monk is now embracing that role. Trevor Ariza, another guy starting to really play an enhanced role. Ariza was out of the rotation. As, as as soon as a, a week ago. And now he's back into the fold and, and he's playing significant minutes. So from all of those aspects, it was a good win. But we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the elephant in the room. And that was Russell Westbrook. If there was one downside to a win, it was his production, you know? And I know we're going to get to that in a second, but there, <laughs> there is a reason why you know, the Laker fans are fed up with him. Why the fans, uh, excuse me, why the media is, is targeting him a lot more and, and why he's become the butt of jokes. But like I said, we'll get to that in a minute. You know, you said earlier, can this win be lightning in a bottle? That's been the story of the Lakers season. Every single good win that they've had or a win period. We always say, is this, is this the beginning of the turnaround? Is this the beginning of a good stretch? Well, if you could put together a win streak, it would be it, it could be something. But if you're only uh, having win streaks of one one or two games in a row, you're not going to go very far. And the fact of the matter is, at this point, with under 30 games to go, you need every win you can get, and you need to have a 15 out of 20 type winning stretch if you're going to get yourself out of the 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 uh, playing situation. So, well said. By the way, I just got to. We said at the halfway point when there were 40 games left that the Lakers would have to go 27 and 13 to win about 45 games, which is about what you need in order to uh, make it right above the play in on average based off of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't look like they're going to get to 45 at all. I mean, no. right now they're 26 and 28, which means they have what? About maybe thirty-five games left. No, if that. 30, 35 games. You, they have twenty-eight games going into Tuesday games. night's matchup with Milwaukee. It, it, exactly. The margin so, for error is next to nothing, my friend. Slim. Next to nothing. But here's the thing: I still, I still believe that if this team is healthy and they can get Melo back, and at some point after the All Star break get Kendrick Nunn back, <laughs> it could look like a completely different team because you see now finally what Russ, AD, and LeBron, and Malik Monk look like when they're all doing their thing. Here's the thing, and I and we'll transition into getting in about Russ in a little bit, but for albeit all purposes and everything, like it just – Malik Monk is the third best player on this team. No as doubt. As far as who, as who you go to. LeBron's one, AD is two, 
Malik Monk offensively is three, and then you got to go with Russ after that. I'm a can little I, bit disappointed. I'm a little bit just, disappointed in the season that THT has been having because oh, it's not like he's been hurt, right? He's mm-hmm. just he he has been up and down, and he's hasn't been playing. Usually, it's like in your sophomore year, but it's like after he got that contract, he just hasn't played. He had moments, but what were you gonna say? Go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say. Do you see why the Monk dynamic works alongside AD and LeBron, Chaz? Because he's a he's a creator himself. He's a scorer. So, and what well, we see from has, Monk is what really could have been with Buddy Heald. That's all I'm going to say. What we have seen from Malik Monk is what could have been with Buddy Heald. But I will say this, the Lakers, the Lakers are saving a heck of a lot of money uh, paying Malik Monk one point eight million and getting twenty nine points out of him as a third option. than Buddy Heald, who is making what, like sixteen, seventeen million this year, maybe more. Yeah, I mean, they they they, they hit on that. Right. So who. Definitely. Who knows if they would have got Malik Monk, if they would have made the trade for Buddy Heald, like when you make certain moves, there's it's a domino effect of different moves that, that happen. So. Mm-hmm. Who knows if Malik Monk even is even on the team, but I'm sure glad that we have him. But for all t- intents and purposes, you just you got to go with Malik Monk as the third best option because at this moment in time, Russell Westbrook, you cannot shoot one for 10, mm. have five points, you know, have six, you know, have six assists and definitely, you know, affect the game in multiple ways and more than one, but you you can't make $44 million and, and have five points and say, uh, it only matters if we win it. That's just not the type of attitude that I would like my star player to have personally. So um, the question that I have is, is Frank Vogel justified in benching rests? Well, was uh, let, let's talk about it in a past tense for a second. Let's keep the focus on the New York Knicks. Uh, I mean, the game against the New York Knicks. Yes, he was. Uh, well, you said it. One for 10, four turnovers. So he had basically more turnovers than shots made. Uh, he missed four free throws, including two in the final minute of the fourth quarter, which could have essentially iced the game. But I mean, even that I can't put all on him because the Lakers as a team missed 11. So they have not been able to make free throws all year. It was a problem for them last year. It was kind of a problem for them the year before. Free throw shooting and getting stops at the end of games, that's the reason why they've they've been forced to play all these overtime games because of their inability to get to do those two things. Bad shot selection in this one, missed layups, awful defense. And that's really what sticks out to me, Chaz. I keep going back to this. You know, everyone's going to talk about the one for 10 or the turnovers. They're going to talk about the offensive side of the ball. You are not affecting the game defensively. You are a liability, my friend. And with all your speed and athleticism and the intensity that you play with, for you to get burned as consistently as you do, for you to be uh, uh, in the wrong place as consistently you are. Let, let's go back a little bit. Go back to that Clippers game. Reggie Jackson is skipping down the freaking court. He wants to get that, that flare uh, screen to get Austin Reeves. Now, here's what I'll say about Austin Reeves. He actually defended Jackson well. A lot of people are saying, well, what, you know, why did he – uh, uh, overreact to the baseline because he thought the help was coming from Russ. He could probably see Russ coming out of the corner of his eye. Russ was so out of position 
because he also went for the steal, Chaz. He made a lateral move. Yeah, he always, and gambled always gambles. He always goes for the steal. Right. So let me just point out, because this is, this is important. And even Charles Barkley pointed this out, too. So me and Chuck are on the same wavelength. You could interpret that however you want to see it. Either I'm really smart or I'm really dumb. One of the two. But <laughs> Chaz, when you are double teaming, you got to protect the paint first. So what I would have done, I, if I'm going to cut Terrence Mann loose at the top of the key, go low. Go to the edge of the paint, and then if Jackson beats Reeves, then then you come up because now what you're going to be is that last line of the fence. But the way Reeves was actually on him, it would have forced Jackson to take a contested jumper over the both of them, or get the ball out of his hands and get it out to Terrence Mann, who really wasn't hot that night, you know. So you you feel more comfortable with that. But that loss in that possession was on Russell Westbrook because of the gamble, and more importantly, being out of position there's been at least three times that I could point to where the Lakers have lost a game because of Russell Westbrook on the defensive end. And that's just Thank you. A, a fact that the number one was the most recent against the Clippers where he was just out of position, went for the steal instead of standing his ground and allowing Reggie Jackson to reverse pivot on the baseline to get the layup over AD. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there was also another one. Oh, Karis LeVert. Remember the Karis LeVert play against Indy? Karis LeVert play. Yeah. Um, when he just shot it in his eye hole. <laughs> at home uh and then there was also the play against the brooklyn nets where on the weak side russell westbrook lost track of the hottest person on the floor and patty mills who ended up hitting the dagger three to you know shut down the comeback that the lakers were on on christmas day so those are three instances that i could point to and quite frankly you could probably pull up more if i had the time and the research to you know to go through every play by play but for sure. It's a fact. I think that Vogel is most definitely justified in benching Russ. When you're not playing well and you're I not I never even answered your question. Yes, it was justified for those reasons. I, yes, I, just, I, mean, I never even answered your question. You, had, you did. I mean, you, I, yes. <laughs> Clearly, given given the position that you took, took he was definitely just, – it was justified. But right. here's the thing. I truly believe that if Russ could have put his ego aside – that the team would have been better off with him coming off the bench. But I know he doesn't want to be like Melo, AOP, they want me to come off the bench. No, I know he doesn't want to be like that. I know he doesn't want to be coming home to L.A., playing in front of his family and friends in his hometown, making $44 million a year, playing for a championship and coming off the bench. He's not ready for that yet as far as ego-wise. Maybe in a few years if he still wants to play, and he's clearly not the same player, but right now when he's you know still on this big contract, still on the back half of the Supermax contract, yeah. he wants to be the starter and he wants to be the man. So, But it's clear and evident that even when Russell Westbrook scores over 30 points, the Lakers' record isn't very good. No. I, no. Believe, I believe they're three and five in games that Russell Westbrook has scored 30 or more points. And you could cite the last meeting against the New York Knicks in which he had a 31-point triple-double and they lost. Or you can go back a couple of weeks ago when they were in Charlotte and he willed the Lakers to being in that game in the final seconds. But still, what, what was what was the result? They still lost. Exactly. And I, and I don't want to agree with you too much, but I mean, think about this. Russell Westbrook and Malik Monk have the same number of games with 20 or more points and 50 percent field goal shooting from the, from the field. And that's 
It's only 13 get 13 times. It's a good point. And let me uh, and let's point this out. But uh, I started to make 44 million. Malik Monks makes makes less than 1.8 million. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the discrepancy. And I just pointed that out in, in the comparison of Buddy Heald. And that's a difference of about 15 or 16 million. That's a difference of what you're talking about, of 42 or 43 million. And they're putting but, up the same. You know, I, I would argue that Monk is putting up more production than him exactly. on an all around front. And, and so and I wanted to point this out. Don't forget the the, the front office Shaz gave Vogel the green light, basically do whatever you need to do with Russ at this point. You feel the need to bench him? Go ahead and bench him. Remember that? I mean, we thought Vogel's job was was in a hot water. And I mean, it very much might still be. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen the, the next uh, two and a half months of the season. But if I was a betting man, I don't think anything happens before the season is done. However, I think Vogel and his staff have reached a point where it's just like, especially now with AD and LeBron back healthy, they have the luxury of saying, Hey, if you're not defending, you're turning the ball over, you're missing shots, you are not being committed to what we need you to do, then we're going to take you out and go with a lineup that fits better together with guys who are going to give better effort defensively, make better decisions offensively, and make better decisions with shot selection and give us better floor spacing because we also know he doesn't do that all that well. So at this point, Frank is exercising that power given to him by the Rambi and Rob Palenka, and he was justified to do that the other night. I'm just devastated that I'm not seeing the Russell Westbrook that I would have liked to see. I've seen it in flashes, and I've seen it at times. But, you know, he just I think these two years will look back because he's not going to be on the team for more than two years. Maybe maybe the Lakers might be able to trade his expiring contract at the deadline next year if things aren't going well. If it stays like this, where the the Lakers hover around 500 for the rest of this season, get bounced in the playoffs and then don't have a great start next season. So if that happens with LeBron and AD, I mean, you talk about a big whiff. I mean, that that'll be a tough pill to swallow, even though that we got our championship. With LeBron and AD in the bubble in 2020, you really want you want to get you want to get championships in bunches to prove that the original championship isn't a fluke or anything like that, or just lightning in a bottle for you. And some teams are just OK with that. But the Lakers are known as a dynasty franchise and the La- and Lakers have never really won titles by themselves. They always come within a t- three out of five year period or two out of four year period, or, you know, a couple, they win them in bunches. So I just think that overall, if if the Lakers in the LeBron era with only one ring or one trophy to to stand for it or to have, Mm -hmm. I just think that the Russell Westbrook trade is what you're going to look to more than anything. And this is what Vogel had to say after uh, the win over the Knicks. And he was asked about the Russ benching because, well, of course you're going to ask about it. The guy didn't play in overtime. Listen to this. You know, obviously Russ was having a tough night, you know, on both sides of the ball. And Bron was really going. So like, I knew the ball was going to be in Bron's hands. And I felt like we were going to get more, you know, from a defensive perspective and off ball uh, action with, with Talon. So, um, you know, you just make tough decisions uh, in the spirit of whether the team needs to win a game. So Vogel saying what we as fans, as media, all figured, hey, he was having a tough night. We knew LeBron was going to have the ball in his hands. We went with the lineup that was going to best complement our two stars. And you know what? 
it worked out. And you could look at THT stat line and say, how could you replace Russ with THT? But the fit, Chaz, the fit, and who's going to commit more to the defensive end and who's capable of making better decisions down the stretch. Tough call, necessary. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. And that's a fact, right? It's just, it's not easy. It's not an easy fact, you're right. To to pair and to make it fit if it doesn't actually fit, like it clearly just hasn't this year. But one part that I do love is what LeBron James said about Russell Westbrook and having his back. We're all honest with everybody. So at the end of the day, we, we can't control the narrative of what's going on, you know, um, in the media or, or what's going on over social media, things are going on. There's always the, you know, rumblings and conversations that's going to be had every single trade deadline. It happens every single year. It happens. I mean, and it's, I think what you read or how much attention that you pay attention to can manifest itself to you believing it or not. Or just saying, listen, I'm, I'm putting my foot in the ground. I'm, I got a job to do. I'm going to go out and play. But, um, you know, for, for me as a brother to Russ, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I only care about, you know, his state of mind and, and how much he can give to himself. You know, and he commit to himself, then it's going to trickle down to the rest of us. So I don't, I don't really get involved in all the other schematics and things off the floor. All I care about is how he is, how his well-being is, how his family doing. The game will translate. I mean, you put the work in, the game will translate. Guys struggle all the time. And that's just it. LeBron is just reminding you that basketball is a team sport. Mm-hmm. It's not an individual sport. You can't just blame one guy and – you can't just praise one guy and you just can't, it's, it's all or nothing. It's everybody. So I love him having his back and being the leader that he is and just love the fact that he's always been that consummate leader. So um, can't, can't say more about LeBron, but you know what else is coming up, Chris? Mm. I believe there is a deadline coming up. Good, sir. We'll talk about it more next on the other side. You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? (laughs) Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Form Podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all of our podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Play. We are on iHeartRadio. And of course, we are on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Get that dialogue started. You could also download and follow our show on www.nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. Go to the shows tab, click on the outlet form, and that will take you to our Apple podcast page. 
And be sure to follow us on all social media platforms on Twitter and Instagram at the outlet form. Well, Chaz, as, yes, everyone, as everyone's preparing for that Super Bowl, we got a big the- day in the NBA coming up a few days before that. We all know what it is. And, and, and what a nice appetizer that is to, to the big game, ain't it? The biggest thing yet, man. I cannot wait for the Super Bowl. I'm still trying to parlay my way into SoFi Stadium without dropping how much everybody is dropping right now. In order to, <laughs> this is the most expensive Super Bowl ever, and Super Bowl week is going down. It, it's getting underway. But, yes, there is a, a deadline coming up, the NBA trade deadline, which is always fun every year. I would think the NBA has the best product when it comes to the trade deadline, free agency, Christmas Day games, finals, playoffs. I mean, it's Off Twitter season. frenzy. It's just it's just a great product. Right. The NFL is a great product as well, but the the NBA and the Lakers specifically just drive the train of the NBA trade deadline. And any team that has LeBron James on it is going to have that much level of scrutiny, especially when you're a below 500 team in year 19 mm. trying to strive for another championship, which will be two and four years, uh, two and three years actually. You got to be able to figure out what people are going to work on the team and who is going to be expendable. And we've been hearing for quite some time that THT and Kendrick Nunn and a 2027 first round pick, which is pretty much all the assets that the Lakers can offer to any team. And that's being rebuffed by everybody. It's probably like the best third or fourth best offer for probably anybody that anybody really would make right now. So as deals start to get circulated on the trade deadline, the Lakers, if the Lakers make a deal, it'll be only because other deals fell through and somebody had to take something instead of nothing. And they knew that the Lakers were going to be willing to give up THT Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't played all season with a bone bruise in his knee mm-hmm. and a 2027 first round pick, because all the picks before that are being conveyed over to the New Orleans Pelicans for Anthony Davis and that trade that came over. So, Chris, what who is the player that the Lakers could possibly get with THT, Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't played in a right. 2027 first round pick. Your options are limited because both guys have values that are shot right now. I, and, and I don't want to say, well, Nunn's is shot because now that is a, a bone bruise and you haven't played a single minute all year. That does not bode well. THT, I mentioned earlier, he, uh, he has not, well, actually you mentioned it. He has not had the type of season uh, that, everyone had expected on both sides of the ball. We expected him to be a better defender. We expected him to be a better three-point shooter. We expected him to build on the successful 2021 campaign that he had, and it just hasn't been the case. So unfortunately your options are limited because you either, you either have these exorbitant contracts, which you're obviously not going to trade LeBron or AD and nobody's going to want to take on Westbrook's contract right now, or you have a bunch of guys on, on the vets minimum. Or, or making minimum deals so uh, or, or on a minimum contract. So, I, I mean, your options are extremely limited. So you combine limited options with the guys that you could potentially move, none in THT, with shot value. So I don't know what you, what you expect to get. Jeremy Grant, I don't think that's going to really happen. We're hearing th- you know, murmurs about Buddy Heald. What you have to hope for going into Thursday is – uh, teams are so desperate to get rid of these guys that they're willing to basically only deal with you 
and be like, okay, if that's your best offer, then, then go right ahead. We'll, we'll give it up, which kind of actually Portland sort of did that with the Clippers. I mean, they, they uh, Clippers fleeced them for Norman Powell and Robert Covington, two really solid role players. They got a really good deal done for practically nothing. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, and a second rounder. I mean, Laker fans, I think, were pissed because of that. But, it, you know, like Bobby Marks tweeted out, it, the, the Clippers were able financially to make a move like that, and the Lakers are more handcuffed than all these other teams. So, again, I reiterate, the options are limited. So if you're expecting a miracle come Thursday, you better think again. And in the classic words of Rick Pitino, Larry Bird is not walking through that door. Kevin McHale's are not walking through that door. Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. But that obviously door. replace those names for like, you know, Jeremy Grant and Miles Turner and Buddy Hill. That door. That no, door. I, I, I hear you, man. I, <laughs> I don't think that the Lakers are going to get anybody. Really. Every time we talk about this, we've been talking about making trades and Miles Turner, and Jeremy Grant and all these other players. Mm -hmm. The Lakers don't have any assets. They're just they're going to have to roll with who they can. I said this a few weeks ago that Kendrick Nunn is quite possibly the only chip. You're not going to trade a player that's been hurt all year. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Right. And you and this is a player that you use your two year, five million dollar a year slot with or on. So I that's a lot of money that could have gone to the same slot that Patty Mills is getting paid is what Kendrick Nunn is getting paid right now. And look right. at what, what Patty Mills is doing. It's been fantastic. Yeah. You know, and they're going to be, even though they've struggled and lost seven of eight, I believe recently. And, you know, and, and are reeling a little bit with Kevin Durant and obviously trade rumors with James Harden. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but there's just, there's so much that the Lakers have missed out on by having Kendrick Nett out. And you just really rely on him to come back. And he's frustrated as he tweeted out a few weeks ago as well, that he wants that nobody wants to get on the floor more than him, but fact of the matter is that the Lakers only have what they have and you know you're going to have soft tissue injuries with LeBron that you've already have had so far with the sore knee and the abdominal strain AD being out with his knee uh, for over a month and then Carmelo Anthony missing time I don't think he's going to be back for a little bit there, mm -hmm. there's I mean if this thing is lingering and you're really and you're really relying on Carmelo Anthony like we have as right. the Lakers you're going to need Carmelo Anthony to be as healthy as possible because you're you're going to need three, four, maybe five threes a game from Carmelo in a playoff game deep in the January if you want to win a championship. So I don't see Carmelo Anthony playing again before the All-Star break, which is coming up. Uh, give him another week or two off. And from there, I just don't think you have very many options. So you just want to keep everybody healthy that you can. Are there going to become players that might become available that surprisingly weren't available prior to the deadline maybe but yeah i'd be willing to bet it's this deadline is going to be exactly kind of like i will actually hopefully not like the 2019 trade deadline where everybody thought ad might be coming to the lakers it stood pat and thankfully del dims did the lakers a favor by not accepting magic magic johnson's war chest of everybody because kyle kuzma wouldn't have went out been on that championship team kcp mm. wouldn't have been on that championship team um, if Dale Dimps would have accepted it, but uh, I don't think the Lakers are going to get anybody kind of like they didn't that year. I, or actually they got Mike. Well, and, and Reggie Bullock. Yeah. I mean, here, that's the thing you could only expect to get better on the fringes. And, and here's the thing. You may have to lower your expectations on what you can get for THT and Kendrick Dunn and decide 
do we want to settle for that? Or are we just better off holding on to these guys? Let's see if they could up their value before the season ends and then maybe try to re-engage teams next summer, which I think could end up being a route. You know, I, I was on Twitter and I came up with this idea. I, it was on Twitter or on a text thread. I, I sometimes I'm talking to so many different people. It's hard. It's hard to, to know what it was, but I was even thinking this. What if you did this THT and Kendrick Nunn to new Orleans for Josh Hart, a Laker reunion with Josh Hart, who by the way, has the exact same contract as THT. And if you're able to Devonte Graham, who is a fantastic talent, a potent score scoring guard. And I thought, you know, new Orleans is going to probably be a garage sale. Uh, over the next few days. However, what I didn't realize was that Graham just signed a new four-year, $47 million deal sure with, with New Orleans. So obviously financially that, that couldn't work. I thought maybe he was at the end of his contract. But what, what do you think about a trade like that, Chaz? I mean, that's, that's a trade where you get two guys who fit well alongside AD, LeBron, and maybe even Russ. I like it in theory, but what are you giving up? Like THT, none, and, and that first rounder. No, I no, no. Or a future second. Yeah, like I said, it was just an idea because I was it's thinking just, about it's it just not, from it's just, fit, it's, it's from not, a fit aspect. It, there's no trait that's realistic that's going to move the needle as much as just having LeBron James and AD healthy. Well, maybe you can you can see already what the Lakers can do when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy and playing well, mm -hmm. right? Because they were healthy before but AD wasn't playing well. LeBron James has been the most consistent Laker ever since he came on the scene in 2018 outside of his injuries. But here's the thing though. You're, you're trying to maximize that value and thinking you're going to get an all-star caliber player for THT and Kendrick Nunn. And I just don't think that's possible. So you may have to lower your expectations. And in the process, if you could land somebody, maybe not them personally, but in that category of Hart and Devonte Graham and take a route similar to what Kobe Altman did with the 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers. Remember, he got Jordan Clarkson. He got George Hill. They got a lot Kobe of those Altman guys. Did a great job. Right. And what happened? LeBron was able to galvanize that group and get them back to the NBA Finals. So you have to kind of lower those expectations a little bit. But I mean, who knows? This ain't the 2018 Cavs. Your options are a lot more limited, but we've seen crazier things happen. But I just wouldn't hold my breath if I'm Laker fans coming into Thursday night or Thursday afternoon. Not at all. Not at all. I just don't think anything is realistic, but it's going to be fun. We'll be tweeting out some stuff. I'll be circling out some rumors. I might even start one or two myself, you know, like who knows, but oh, you're just be, be, on, be on the lookout. As Keyshawn Johnson said, you're going to be a germ spreader, huh? Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll, <laughs> now I might even start a rumor or two, but speaking of the entire league, I mean, we, we got to move on to what's going on in the rest of the league. We've got to start with there's a, already a big trade. Well, not a big trade, but I think something uh, it's a big trade if it's because it changes the landscape of what Cleveland is already able to do. What we, as you heard on our previous podcast, for those of you that listen, Hoops and Brews, uh, we were t discussing the Cavs and Pavi actually thinking that the Cavs was, was going to be a top team that could win a first round series. And I actually agreed with them. Mm -hmm. Now that exact same team gave up picks essentially and was able to get Karis LeVert mm. a team that has been able a player that is able been able to excuse me beat the Lakers and have a really good season come so far fight his way back from having 
cancer. Been out of the league, or not out of the league, but not playing right for, for some time with his illness. Yeah, and coming back and be, play, being able to play well, and now get traded to a winning situation where you're a, quite possibly a top four seed, and in the East. So what do you think about that trade, Chris? Brilliant. Brilliant. Kobe Altman does it again. And I, I was, I was prefacing the Kobe Altman situation for 2018. And I said, I set it up big dog and you knock it out of the park. Yes. Uh, Karis Levert gives Cleveland everything that they need. I, I, the one question mark I had with Cleveland and, and, and you heard Pavi from a, uh, HMB uh, media point this out. Cleveland's got a ton of size, right? K love, Jared Allen, who's been fantastic this season. Evan Mobley, who has had a very impressive rookie campaign. You got Larry Markkinen, who's eventually going to come back. You've got, uh, who else on that team? Dean Wade, who's given them some serviceable minutes. The question mark I had with this squad is the wing position. Now you got Chetty Osman, who was a big part in that comeback win they had the other night. You've got Isaac Okoro, who's going to have a really nice career one day. But you do, these aren't guys who I think you could lean on to go out and get you anywhere from 20 to 25 and create his own shot late in games. Karis LeVert, we saw firsthand against the Lakers. This dude has no fear of the moment. 22 out of his 30 points against the Lakers came in the fourth quarter. So you take the pressure off of Darius Garland, and now teams are going to be like, well, who do we cover here? We can't overcommit to Garland because now they got LeVert. And, and if we if we leave those, or I'm sorry, if we put our focus on those two guys, it frees up the bigs down in the paint. So it gives them a really, really good scoring option that's reasonably priced, that's still underrated, that's still young. It's going to fit that core like a glove. And I think Cleveland really knocked it out of the park. Bravo to, to Kobe Altman because it didn't even cost him that much. Ricky Rubio is out for the year, so you don't have to worry about losing value from him. You give up a couple that's of That's why I didn't even mention Ricky Rubio because you and it doesn't matter, Right. And, and, and Chaz, you have a young core already. You, you don't need more picks. I'm sorry, you, you just don't. Cleveland is now in a position where you could win now. They're the fourth seed in the East, and they are just getting stronger. Not to mention, Levert has not a lot of playoff experience, but he knows what the atmosphere feels like. He's been there before with Brooklyn a couple of times. So I, I think it's a it's a really, really uh, great move uh, by, by the Cavaliers and one that was necessary, in my opinion, if they're serious about making some noise in the East. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Moving on to other news, you also had – Finally, I think that LaMelo Ball should have been an all-star even without the injury replacement. But LaMelo Ball and DeJounte Murray have been named by the commissioner's office and the league mm -hmm. as injury replacements for Kevin Durant, who's going to miss the all-star game with his MCL sprain, and Draymond Green, who is having back, well, back issues, cab yeah. issues, you know, it's multiple both. issues, actually. It's both, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about LaMelo Ball being a first-time All-Star? And how do you feel about DeJounte Murray both getting their first All-Star nods? Shout out to both of them. Uh, obviously, for LaMelo, we knew he was going to be very, very talented. He had an impressive rookie campaign. Uh, this year, he's been really solid. I actually was okay with him not making it as the reserves. I thought the only spot you could have made an argument for was Chris Middleton. Uh, that was the only spot I really saw that was questionable at best. But also, just like what we were saying with Wiggins last week, it goes by position. Like, you have to vote by position, not exactly like, okay, these are the best seven guys. It's you need 
one center and three forwards and three guards. Like it's, it's wacky how that works, but shout out to LaMelo ball. I'm sure LeVar is, is going nuts. I'm sure he hopes that this is going to reinvigorate big ball of brand all-star edition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, it's it, good for him. And DeJounte Murray, man, I've been a fan of for a long time. And this kid just continues to get better. Uh, the pride of Seattle, man. I mean, he's he's done really well. I'm off an ACL, man, too. Yeah, exactly. 19. So so this is his uh, stat line this year. 19 points, nine assists, eight rebounds, two steals. I, I just think the problem is he's getting overlooked because San Antonio stinks, but he doesn't. He has got a great mid-range game. He's expanded his game out to the three-point line. He's long. He's athletic. He can defend. He can get to the paint. He, he's a good free-throw shooter, good dude, hard worker. Uh, San Antonio, if nothing else, they got a star there. Uh, over the next few years, let's hope. Uh, otherwise, who knows? They may decide to trade him and get a haul back. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely like um, I definitely like Dejounte Murray. What do you think about Ball and Murray as the replacements? I think that Lamelo Ball is one of the most exciting young players in the NBA. Would be stupid to not allow him to be a part of All Star Weekend and be in the game. So right. I would like I want he's going to play in both the Rising Stars game and the actual all-star game, which is a busy weekend. Yeah. Which is great. What, what, what bothers me though, is that you don't have guys like miles bridges, you know, in the dunk contest or, you know, I, and as we get closer to all-star weekend, we'll find out who the competing, the who the competitors are in each field as we don't know at the moment, but we just know that there are certain players that, you know, it, 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 all-star weekend ain't what it used to be. It ain't, you know, Ain't what oh. it used to be, man. I mean, All Star Weekend used to. I mean, now don't get me wrong. Sunday is great, and the last great All Star Weekend was Aaron Gordon against Zach Levine in that dunk off that they had. That was that the was best All Star Saturday night and All Star Weekend overall. Friday is always kind of a dud. It just depends on if the Rising Star game is pretty good. I don't like that they don't. I, I wish that they just did sophomores versus rookies agreed regardless of regardless of what uh country you're from i don't like the world versus the u.s i don't like that Mm. i I, like imagine trey young and luka Doncic playing on the same team like that'd be awesome yeah exactly but it we you know they still put on a good show that year but it's just there are ways to make all-star weekend better uh i don't like the pairing and the teams that they're doing in uh, the skills challenge. I'm not really a big fan of that. So, but all-star weekend for us when we were coming up and I know I got back in my day, I mean, I'm not even 35 years old and I'm already talking about, it. but I mean, it just, it, Get 2000, off my launch, 2004, yes. 2002, 2001, like they also got to bring back, they got it for one year, bring it back to where everybody wore their own Jersey home or away yes. in the all-star game. Yeah, like these baseball. Baseball still does that. Baseball they, still does that. These All Star jerseys are trash. I mean, I they, some of them are good. Some of them have been great. The greatest All Star jersey to me, or one of the greatest, was either I'd say '88, the white one that Jordan wore, or I would say '03 uh, was pretty good. The red with the white was pretty, that, that was that was a pretty good one. The '03 was pretty good in Atlanta, yeah. and I'd, I'd also say '04 in LA. That wasn't bad either. The blue, no, uh, 2011, the red one. Oh yes, that had a little more flair. That, that was Kobe, also LA. That, that that also LA where that Kobe wore when Dwayne Wade broke his mm-hmm. nose and then he gave him the uh, <laughs> um 
or the buzzer beater as well. Um, hey, Chad, four, so. Chaz, All-Star Weekend is is no doubt fantastic. And before we move on, I there was one more guy I wanted to say that I thought he could make a case for himself as an All-Star. DeMontis Sabonis, who is already a two-time All-Star. Fantastic season. Once again, just like Murray, playing on a bad team in Indiana. They're about to have their own garage sale coming up over the next few few uh, days. They've already traded off Levert. So Sabonis could be next. We could see Miles Turner on the move. Brogdon, who knows? Um, 19 points, 12 rebounds, 58% shooting. I think he's shooting 62% just on two-point field goals alone. Also averaging five assists a game uh, and a steal a game. And he's got five triple doubles this season. All right. This, this dude has quickly escalated to not just a top 15 big man in the league. I think he's well within the top 10 now. And we're talking big men, centers and power forwards alike. So he's not, he may not be on the same scale as a Jokic, uh, Giannis, an Embiid, uh, AD when he's healthy. Um, but he is on his way up there. And I think he's closed the gap on some of those guys, man. He is just so damn skilled. So shout out to DeMontis Sabonis. I would have liked to have seen him uh, on the uh, all-star team, but I just wanted to shout him out. Absolutely. We got to, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about James Harden. It doesn't sound like he's going to Philly or going to get traded. Steve Nash came out and vehemently denied all of the trade rumors that Shams and Woj were putting out there over the, the weekend. I don't think it would have been a smart move for Philadelphia to trade Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets because they would still have Kyrie and KD mm. if they made that trade. And Ben Simmons with Kyrie and KD in the same division with the Philadelphia 76ers would still be a roadblock to them. So I don't think that's a good deal. That I don't think that Daryl Morey should hold out hope for that deal going down. Um, I know he wants James Harden, but I just don't think that that would be the right deal to make. Pairing James Harden with Joel Embiid would be cool, but Man. I don't know. What do you think about that move, Chris? I told you last week, I thought they should have really, uh, Daryl Morey and Elton Brand should have really entertained the Sacramento Kings offer. Now, I saw a report that they were asking for both, both Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox. So, I mean, they're trying to get every, like, full value for Ben Simmons, and I just don't think it's there. So I can understand. They do have the right, though, Chris. Sorry they do have the have right, to... but you have a chance to do something special this year. And if you could get two guys, maybe not even at full value, but close enough to it to pair with Embiid and Harris and Seth Curry and those guys, I, I think you, you should have really entertained it. But I understand you're trying to get a superstar for a superstar. That is your right to do. They're probably thinking, hey, we're going to grind it out with this group. And where, however far we go, we go. And then worst comes to worst, we'll re-explore and re-examine trade options for Simmons next summer. I mean, that's really all you can do. But I could just tell with Maury and Brand at this point, Chaz, it's hard in your bust. I, I just don't agree with it, though, because I just don't know how realistic it is, especially if Harden really is going to sign an extension and he is happier in Brooklyn than people are giving him credit for. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that can happen. The trade deadline is going to be fun. Uh, it's it's all just a, a part of the game now, but I don't I don't see any major major moves happening. But if they do, this league, man, it's just what it's what it's all about. So uh, before we close out, I got to get to my favorite 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 part 
as you guys know, of the week. And it's our social media post of the week. Chris, I got to let you go first because I know you got some heat on deck. What is your social media post of the week? Oh, this was a fun one. Uh, <laughs> it's sad. It's, it, it's cold, but it is true. Solomon Hill was the guy's handle. So I don't like that. At Sunlanta, Sunlanta, Russell Westbrook tonight. And this was from the New York game. Five points, 10% field goals, 42% free throws. Hashtag Russell Westbrook, hashtag NBA All-Star. Sarcastically, of course. And it's a picture of Westbrook in a construction vest with sunglasses and a, and a yellow hard cap shooting a brick in his hands. I mean, an actual brick. <laughs> it is fu- it is funny man it is hilarious oh man mine what was your mine is, mine is actually just a reminder man um this comes from at nba memes and it's just a reminder it has nothing to do with anything that happened this past week i just it, it's so good of a post this actually comes from last season um or was it the season before i think it was the season before the 1920 season hmm. When LeBron James dunk on Josh Hart and the caption says this has to be the most disrespectful posters from LeBron and it with the nut and crying emoji when LeBron James put uh, his lower half in Josh Hart's face and went for a tomahawk dunk. That was one of my favorite moments for the whole season. And uh, I had to go with that. I had to bring it back from a couple of years ago because that was definitely my one of my favorite dunks that season. So Josh Hart met D's. D's. <laughs> oh man, I, I could go on. I, there's there's plenty there's plenty of posts, but I'll 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 save some for next week. Also, Kuz had a really good tweet where he had a Kobe move on the baseline, and uh, he shouted out Kobe. I just got to give props to that as well, especially for my dog. I, anytime I can get a chance to say something about Kobe, I will. But. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Outlet Forum Podcast. Make sure to follow us on all social media. You can follow me on Instagram at Chaz P and on Twitter at Chaz Pearson. Chris, where can they follow you personally, my man? You can always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm on Instagram, C Camelo one. And I'm also on Facebook, Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo. Be sure to download and follow all of our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. Follow at the outlet forum on all social media, uh, on uh, Twitter and Instagram and www.nightcastmedia, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. Go to the shows tab, follow us there. Also great sports, entertainment, and pop culture content on that site. So check us out. You want it? We got it for you guys. But until next week, oh, Chris, it's my birthday on Sunday, and I might be at the Super Bowl on my birthday watching my Rams in SoFi win the city its first Super Bowl since 1980, actually ever as a Ram. So I want to talk about the ultimate birthday gift, huh? You talk about the ultimate birthday gift. I'm thinking about shelling out a whole lot of cash in order to go, but I got to because it's the only time this might ever align in my life. So maybe by the next time we talk, I'll be talking about a Ram Super Bowl win. But until next week, next guy, next week, guys, we'll see you then. Peace. Go Rams.